if they are pressuring you to let him pick you up on the first date when you've made it clear that you feel more comfortable meeting him there for the first date. Grown Girl Gang. Welcome back to the Girl We Grow Now podcast. I am your host, Victoria, and I am back with our second episode of our safety series. So I'm a bit under the weather, so please just don't mind my voice. I'm here and I'm ready to bring you this next episode in our series. So as I said last episode, this topic is so, so important to me. I feel like we don't talk about safety enough. And as women, the reality is that we do have to walk through the world a bit differently and we do have to think about these things. Well, it's not fair and it sucks, but having these conversations are so important. And I know a lot of times it can be easy to not want to talk about these things because we don't want it to seep into our optimism and we don't want to be scared. I'm not saying that we need to walk through life afraid, but we do need to to make sure that we are setting up the right safety precautions just to make sure that we can live our lives as we please, but be safe while we are doing that. So I do want to talk about some statistics that I actually looked up while doing my research for this series. Honestly, I can say that I was not aware of these statistics and it is a bit jarring to think about these statistics. I do want to give a trigger warning for anyone who has experienced SA or DV or any kind of violence. So some stats that I came across are that according to unwomen.org, worldwide, one in three women have experienced physical or sexual violence, mostly by an intimate partner. This number is higher when we factor in sexual harassment. And 19.3 million women have been stalked in their lifetime in the U.S. And this stat is from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Really just reading those numbers for myself, it was eye-opening because, again, these are things I don't even often think about. But it's really when I am either on social media and I hear women's stories about different things that they have experienced. So in today's episode, I want to focus on safety and dating specifically online dating, but really any of these tips can also be applied when you meet someone in person because for me, the safety precautions are pretty much the same because no matter where you meet someone, whether it's online, at the gym, at the bar, at the store, wherever you meet someone, that person is still a stranger to you because you don't know them. You are getting to know them. And unless you have mutual friends who can vouch for that person that you are going to go on a date with. And even I would say if you have mutual friends, really your friends are going to know the person that they are setting you up with in the context of a platonic friendship. And even then, sometimes people show up very differently in the context of a romantic relationship than they do with their friends. So even then, you still don't personally know that person. So until you have been able to vet them and until they have been able to earn your trust, they are a stranger. And I think that we need to remember that because just based on conversations I've had with my friends and even my past talking stages, sometimes when we meet someone, we can feel so connected to them because we have either been in constant communication with them whether that's texting, phone calls, video chats, but just because you were in constant communication with someone you've known for a week or two, that does not mean you know them. 
we have to be aware that being in that constant communication can really give us a false sense of feeling like we know this person that we in fact do not know because people can put on facades through communicating via text messages, phone calls, video chats, really knowing someone it's going to take time it's going to take having deep conversations and really just asking the right kind of questions and being aware and being in tune and paying attention to what that person is saying and trusting yourself and trusting your intuition all of those things are a key part into really getting to know someone with the rise of online dating i do feel like we hear a lot more dating horror stories i think it's a combination of naturally we are dating more when dating online because we are connected with a larger pool of people and also i just do feel like now in today's time people are more comfortable sharing those stories publicly than maybe they have been in the past. So I feel like that is why we hear a lot more of these dating horror stories. So with that being said, there's one that I saw recently that really, really was so jarring. It really made me even think about how I go about my dating and it really solidified that I need to do an episode on safety and dating because I think a lot of times we can be very nice and too trusting in the beginning with someone that we do not know. And I am not saying that this was the case with the women's story that I'm about to share. I am just saying that hearing her story got me thinking about how I date, how my friends date, and just the different conversations that we've had. So I'm going to give you the condensed version of the TikTok that I saw from this woman. So she went on to talk about how she went on two dates with this guy and decided that they were not a good match and that she just had a lot going on and it just was not going to work. So instead of ghosting him, she sent him a message expressing those feelings to him which was the absolute right thing to do at first he was fine with her decision and then about a month and a half later he decided he wasn't okay with her decision because he is a good guy and he deserved a chance so he started to stalk her and send her tons of messages and eventually he started to threaten her life in these messages and it was non-stop to the point where she had to block him on literally everything but he always found a way to send her messages by downloading different apps and whatever people do whenever they want to reach you after you block them on everything. In these messages, he would tell her how he was going to kill her. And some of these messages were just so vile and just really scary and horrifying. He would say how he would get away with it because no one would ever believe her. So she got a restraining order. And when you take out a restraining order on someone, the interesting thing is that that person has to be served with the restraining order. So he would just message her and laugh about how he knew she got this restraining order, but he was dodging the processor who was trying to serve him because he actually had followed her and took pictures of her when she went to the police and talked to them. And whenever he was outside of her house, he would take pictures and send them to her and send her messages. He would also pretend to be her boyfriend and go to her neighbors and get information about her. And it was literally just nonstop harassment. So she went to the police and they said that there was nothing that they could do if he hasn't hurt her, which I feel like I have heard this so many times that it is so scary to know that that is a standard that someone has to hurt you 
for law enforcement to step in, which I think is crazy. And that is something that needs to change. So the police weren't helping her. She really just had to go through this alone. And during this period, she couldn't keep a job because she was so afraid to sleep at night that she would fall asleep at work. And at one job, she fell asleep standing up and got fired. So that year, she went on to talk about how she went through so many jobs because she just couldn't stay awake during the day. And she couldn't sleep at night because she was so terrified. Eventually, she was able to move. And when he realized that she no longer lived at that address, he would try to send packages to her old address and would put do not forward request address correction. But that would never work. They wouldn't just give out someone's address. So she started to feel a little bit better about the fact that he didn't know where she lived anymore. And then she registered to vote. And when you do that, that makes your address public information. So he found her again and sent her pictures of her house. And then he started showing up at her house again at the new place where she lived. And she would call the police. But every time they would come, he was able to escape them since she blocked him on everything. He found a way to message her through Duolingo and he was so upset that it was so hard for him to contact her that he said he was going to start making good on his threat unless she would meet up with him. Eventually, she didn't know what else to do. So against her beliefs, she went ahead and she purchased a gun and she, like I said, she's not pro-gun. So this was a big decision for her, but she just did not know what to do and she felt like she was on her own. And this was her solution. She needed to get a gun to feel safer. So as I said, he would come to her new place and he would knock on the door and ring the doorbell for long periods of time. So this was daily harassment that she was getting from this man. And then he went quiet for two weeks and she talks about how you would think that would make you feel a sigh of relief. But she said it was even more terrifying when he went silent because you just didn't know what was going to happen next. And so he went quiet for those two weeks after nine months of daily harassment. And after that period of quietness, he came for her. One day he came to her place and he ended up breaking in. And so what I didn't mention was that when she would sleep at night, she knew that she couldn't sleep in the back room. She had to sleep in the living room and she would wedge a chair against her door because she knew that if he ever did break in, she would need some time so that she could get her gun and that she could be ready for whenever he came in. So that's what happened. He broke in and she was able to get her gun and she shot him. I think she said she kept shooting until she just didn't see him anymore. So then she called the police and let them know she had shot her stalker. And they came and since he was wounded, they were able to find him and take him to jail. And yeah, she had to deal with that stalker. I think it was about nine months or up to a year. And just keep in mind that she knew this guy for three weeks and went on two dates with him. And he put her through this horrific situation that really impacted her life. So after hearing her story, it really solidified to me that I do need to do an episode on dating safety because, again, this is not to scare you. This is just so that we can be aware of these things because they can happen and just making sure that we are dating in a way that can keep us all safe. As I said earlier, I really do think that sometimes we can be so smitten so quickly by people who are literal strangers to us and we can forget that we don't really know these people and we need 
to treat them as strangers until we are able to vet them and until they earn our trust. So when it comes to dating, here are just a few tips that I use and that I want to share. So the first tip is that I use a Google phone number. I do not give out. And for some reason, the new age thing to do is to ask people for their Instagram. And I think that is an immediate no. I do not give out my Instagram. I'm not going to say that I have never given it out. But I will say the couple of times that I have given out my Instagram, it was when I met someone who was in another country. So I just feel like there is a good amount of distance between us. So the likelihood of them like watching my stories to figure out where I am, I felt were rare. But even in that sense, it is just best not to give out your Instagram because that way, if you post stories of your coffee and you tag the coffee shop that you always go to or your gym and you tag the gym location, we just have to remember that when we do those things, we are letting people know where we are. And even outside of dating, if your profile is public, those are things that you have to keep in mind. When you tag places consistently, you are showing strangers that you frequent those places a lot. That is giving them in into the area that you live in and the places that you frequent. So that can be something that can give unwanted people access to you. And I think sometimes these are things we don't even think about. I know I've been guilty of tagging places, but at this point, like I don't really tag places that I visit frequently that are close to where I live. And if I am going to tag a place and it has multiple locations, I'm not going to tag the location that's closest to me. And I'm definitely not going to post or tag about it while I'm there. If I post it, especially these days, it likely is like from at least three days ago, if not a week or two ago, because I just cannot keep up on my stories these days. So I think that's something that we have to start thinking about is really not giving them our Instagram. And even if we meet someone at a bar or somewhere, not immediately giving them our Instagram, go for the Google phone number because that is just a safer option. And also just a little pro tip, if you are new to a Google number, when you get it, you have to make sure that you set it up so that it can go directly to your voicemail. And of course, vet your voicemail and make sure that it makes sense and it's a voicemail that you wouldn't mind a stranger hearing. But if you don't set it up correctly, it'll tell people that it's a Google number, but there's a way that you can set it up where it'll just be like they're calling your phone and it'll just be forwarded to your phone. So I learned about this tip through my cousin. So I actually had her on the podcast for episodes 17 and 18 and she gave us some dating advice. I remember I was telling her that I was online dating and she was like, I hope you're using a Google number. And I was like, why would I use that? And she told me it was for safety reasons. And I was like, well, wouldn't they be upset if they found out that I didn't give them my actual number. And then she told me about how when she was on dating apps, how she used a Google number. She actually did not use her real name. She used a fake name and she made a Gmail account associated. I think it was Gmail, but she made an email account associated with the name that she would use on the dating apps. And she actually met her husband on dating apps. So of course, after they got to know each other and she felt comfortable with him and they started to really date she told him like you know she ended up telling him her her real name and that you know that wasn't her real number and he was completely fine with it and he understood her need to feel safe especially when online dating so I say that to say that if you use a google number the man that is for you he's going to understand why you did it if you tell him it was for safety reasons because obviously in the world we live in today that makes so much sense so 
I just wouldn't worry about scaring guys away and not thinking that they will understand if you end up dating them and the relationship gets serious. So tip number two is to do your research. When you are chatting with someone online, definitely do your research, do your investigation. I know as women, we are like master investigators. I think most of us really could be in the FBI and we could literally find anyone. It's honestly a gift and I think it's amazing and I think we need to have this gift. So for those who don't already know the sites, there are plenty of sites where you can do background checks. And for me specifically, this is another thing my cousin taught me that I was like, wow, I would have never thought of that is that when you are doing either a background check or if you know the county that they live in, you can look at their records. So of course, look at criminal records. But one thing that I would not have thought of was to look at property records. So you can look and see if they own a property with another woman, because sadly, there are married men or engaged men or men who are just in a full-blown relationship who are out here pretending to be single. So it is so interesting. So she told me that little tip. And I kid you not, one time when I was traveling, I met this guy and I used the tip and I figured out what county he lived because I knew he owned a house. And I looked it up to see if he was the only name on the ownership. And lo and behold, he owned it with another woman. So again, I say that to say like, these are legit tips. Definitely take the time to search property records, of course, criminal and just really look at the public records and see what you can find on this man. And also you can take their photos from the dating app and you can do a reverse lookup to see if you can find their social media or see if that photo is actually some baseball player you've never heard about or just see what comes up when you look at that photo. I think it's just so important to do your research because as I said before, People can easily put on a facade, but especially with online dating, it is so easy for people to pretend to be someone else or just to create this whole false persona or false life. And you just don't want to be a victim of that. It really just pays off to do your due diligence and do your research. I kid you not. Anytime I've been a little skeptical of someone and I've done research, I've literally confirmed my feeling that I had in my intuition that this person wasn't being completely forthcoming with who they were and just of their singleness. And so I just think that we cannot skip doing our research and say this guy doesn't have social media. It's a little bit harder to look him up. That's why you need to ask questions and you can use any little thing, whether it's what he does for work, if he mentions where he went to college, law school, any of those things, take notes of those little nuggets of information that he's giving you because those are all things that you can use to do your research. The third tip is just don't give too much personal information. So don't give them any inclination of where you could live or your favorite places that you go to every day because they're close by your house. Just make sure that if you are telling them those kind of things that if you love to get coffee and your favorite coffee shop is a very specific coffee shop and there's only one in the area, then I would refrain from telling him which coffee shop it is unless it's a chain and you just love Starbucks. Then of course you can mention that, but just be very aware of the information that you are giving them because just as I said, we can use these little nuggets of information to do our research. Sometimes people are asking you these questions because 
they are going to get a sense of where you live and just different things like that. It's just really important to be mindful of the information that you are giving out. Of course, you want to be open, but let people earn your trust and don't overshare intimate details about your life because you do not know this person yet. Tip number four is to make sure that you don't overlook red flags. I know it can be so easy to get swept away and fall for someone who is saying all the right things, who is charming you, who is constantly communicating with you. So make sure that you don't get blinded by love and just falling for someone's words that are not being backed up by actions. So here are some common red flags to look out for. First one is love bombing. That's just someone being overly intimate and planning a future with you very early on and just showering you with just things. Like if it feels like it's too early and too quick, trust your gut because that probably means that it is too early and too quick. So if someone is talking about marriage and how you're going to meet their family in week one or two, there is a possibility of that being love bombing. So those are just things to look out for and not feel rushed into anything. It is okay to ask someone to slow down. Another red flag to look out for is if they're giving you very vague surface level answers and just providing a little detail but trying to get a lot of information out of you. So I think someone who's trying to barely tell you anything, but learn everything about you. No, that is not a sign that they're super interested and just want to get to know you. That is a sign that they could be hiding something. So that's just something to pay attention to because not only could they be hiding something, but they could have an ulterior motive. And of course, that's something you want to be aware of. Another red flag is if they are pressuring you to let him pick you up on the first date when you've made it clear that you feel more comfortable meeting him there for the first date. I get that some guys really believe in picking their girl up and paying for the date and doing all of those things. But again, if you meet someone online or personally, even if I meet someone in person, my first date, I don't want you to pick me up. I don't know you. You don't need to know where I live. I don't want to be stuck because I feel like I've heard so many women talk about how they let a guy pick them up on a first date that they had either met online or in person and then they really didn't like the date and the guy wanted to do something else after and they were just stuck because he was driving and I feel like doing that can just get you into an uncomfortable situation because again, you don't know this guy. You don't know if his intentions are pure and if his intentions are good. So the best thing that you can do is drive yourself to that date or Uber yourself or whatever it is. But no, he doesn't need to pick you up on the first date. It is okay when you get to know him better and you guys build that rapport and that trust, then he can start picking you up for your dates. Another red flag, and this is specific to online dating, is if they won't meet you in person or video chat with you and every time you try to, there's an excuse. That is a major red flag that they are probably not the person in their pictures and you need to go ahead and stop wasting your time in their pictures that they can't because they have a whole family at home and they don't have any alone time to be able to do that at whatever time it is that you are requesting to video chat or talk on the phone. So for me, that's a major red flag that would be immediate grounds to not talk to them because 
what is the point of matching with someone who is just trying to be a pen pal? Like That's not fun. It doesn't make sense. I mean, unless that's what you're there for, then that's what you're there for. But for me, that would be an immediate unmatch or just stop talking to. So yes, those are just a few of the red flags that I think are very common. So tip number five is this is something that I live by, but when you match with someone and they want to take you out, always try to video chat or at the very least have a phone call before you meet up with someone that you've been talking to. Personally, I prefer to talk for a little bit before I meet someone in person. And this is based on my experiences. Anytime that I have only exchanged a few messages with someone and met up with them and been like, okay, I'm going to try something different. I've always regretted it because I do feel like when you do take time to talk to someone, whether it's for four days or for a week or two weeks, you really are able to decipher, is this someone that you even would want to go on a date with? And I know that people are very have very different stances on this because I have friends who prefer to meet people quickly but for me really it's just like a time thing like I don't want to waste time going out to dinner with someone who just might not be my vibe so for me it just makes better sense to talk for about a week have at least one phone call and then decide if we feel like it makes sense for us to go on a date and that is something that I feel like works for me but like I said anytime I've ever exchanged a few messages went on a date the guy was either weird or just so not my vibe and I feel like I could have weeded them out through the messaging and phone call part of it because they just wouldn't have made it past that so I feel like this one is like the biggest tip but it's also the most obvious tip but I have seen people not do this so I feel like I have to mention it, but make sure that when you are going on a first date and in the beginning stages of dating, that you are meeting in public places. It does not matter if you have FaceTime this man for a week and he's been super consistent calling, messaging you, and you just feel like you know him. The reality is you do not know him. And again, people can charm you. People can manipulate you into thinking that they are one way. And when you decide to invite a complete stranger to your house or to go to their house, you were just putting yourself in to unnecessary danger when you could meet in a public space. And I say that because I've had conversations with people who are like, oh, well, I feel like I know him, so I think it's okay. And I get that you feel that way. And I think sometimes we have to not go with the fact that we feel like we know him and we feel like we really like him and just go with our head and be logical about it. Because I feel like meeting in public is always going to be the best thing to do. You just really can't go wrong. So personally, in my opinion, I say go out on at least three public dates with him and make sure that you are really tuned in to what your intuition and what your gut is telling you about this man. Like, how do you feel when you're around him? Do you feel safe? Do you get like any kind of uneasy feelings? So I think these are all things that we cannot ignore and that we have to really pay attention to. Tip number seven, always make sure you share your location and let someone know who you are going out with and share a photo of them or take a screen recording of that person's profile. But make sure somebody knows exactly who you're going out with and exactly where you guys are meeting and that you have shared your location and let them know like if they haven't heard from you by X time to check on you. 
and all of those things. Another red flag for me is that if I exchange numbers with someone who I've met online and they unmatch me and say that they've deleted their profile, for me, that is an automatic red flag. I am not going to talk to you and we are not going anywhere because the odds of you actually deleting your profile right after you get my number is literally slim to none. Like that doesn't even make sense. But for me, I feel like that is very sketchy because now I'm not able to see your photo. So if we were to go on the date, I don't have that photo reference for me to send my friends or my family. So no, there's literally no reason to do that. Tip number eight, when you were on the date, do your best not to leave your purse or any personal items with your date or your drink unattended. Because again, you don't know this person. You don't know their intentions yet. Of course, you want to be optimistic and believe in the best. But I think at the end of the day, we can't just blindly trust someone who is essentially still a stranger. I'm someone who always has to go to the bathroom. So I always try to make sure that I don't drink too much on the date. So that way I can make it through dinner or lunch or whatever we're doing and wait till after to go to the bathroom so that I don't have to leave my drink or my food or anything unattended with my date. So those are just a few of the dating tips that I wanted to share that I personally use when I am dating because again, you can never be too safe. And so definitely send me a DM, comment on the episode. Let me know what dating tips that you use to make sure that you stay safe. I know there are so many out there and I just think that we should all share our dating tips with each other so that we can all make sure that we are taking the right precautions so that we can just make it home safely and that we can have fun dating, but also stay safe. So I hope that you really took something from this episode. I hope that you are enjoying this series because again, this series is so important to me. I think these conversations need to be had and I'm so happy that I'm able to have them with you all. Definitely let me know your thoughts on this series so far. I'm hoping to bring on a couple of guests for this series to share more safety tips and to share their stories about just the different things that they've gone through and how they've overcome it and what they do now to keep themselves safe. With that being said, I hope you all have a beautiful, healthy, and happy week, and we will chat next week. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode. If you really loved the episode and you felt like it resonated with you, be sure to share the love and share the episode with a friend. Also, if you could take a minute and head to the review section wherever you listen to your podcast and leave me a review, letting me know what you're loving about these episodes and which topics you want to hear next. That way, I can make sure that I continue creating episodes that you love. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next week, bye, grown girl gang.